Hi, everyone. Welcome to the April 9th edition of the Timeform US Forecast. I'm David Aragon, and I'll be joined in just a moment by my co-host, Craig Mulkowski. This week on the podcast, the focus is on those final two Kentucky Derby preps as the Derby Trail winds down. After Saturday, we'll have the field basically set for the Kentucky Derby as far as points qualification goes. We'll see if there are any defections in the upcoming weeks, but we should have the final additions to the race likely coming from the Arkansas Derby. That's the major point prep with 100 points going to the winner of that race. But there's also the Lexington Stakes on Saturday at Keeneland, and that's the far more interesting race from a handicapping standpoint, though less likely to produce any Kentucky Derby starters. But we've got some really intriguing undercards on both of those uh, uh, racetracks, with Oaklawn offering the Oaklawn Mile, as well as the Count Fleet. We'll talk about both of those races in addition to the Arkansas Derby. And then at Keeneland, on the Lexington undercard, they're also running the uh, sprint race for the Phillies and Mares, which is the Giants Causeway as well as the Grade 1 Jenny Wiley, a small but select field of runners, Phillies and Mares going a mile and a 16th on the turf. But Craig, the focus is on those two Kentucky Derby preps. The Arkansas Derby, probably not so interesting from a handicapping standpoint, but I think the Lexington is a really fascinating race. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the better betting races on the cards. There's so many different directions you could go, a lot of different angles you could play in there. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the favorites. And it's uh, I'm glad to see it because a couple of the races came up unusually disappointing for Keeneland. We usually get a lot, pretty much always big fields for their stakes races, but the Lexington certainly didn't disappoint. Well, we'll get to Keeneland in a little bit, but let's start things off in Arkansas at Oaklawn with uh, three races, all stakes from that card. We're going to begin with race nine. That is the Oaklawn Mile going one mile on the main track there. And we've got a pretty intriguing field of runners with a lot of the quality drawn towards the center of the pack, beginning with the number six, By My Standards, who's the slight favorite on the morning line. Now, no doubt, By My Standards is the classiest horse in this race, having won the grade two Ali Sheba last year finished second in the grade one Whitney, but he ended his 2020 campaign on a bit of a sour note. So I think there are some questions about what kind of form he's in coming back off the layoff. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's a big field of nine. There's a fast pace uh, predicted on the pace projector. And it's hard to argue with that when you look at the PPs just at a quick glance to see horses like Wells Bayou and Blackberry Wine, who basically only have one way to go. And really, when you look through the entire field, there's no true closers in here. They're all horses that have some speed or at least good tactical speed. And I think that's a big problem for Blackberry Wine. He's a horse who's shown, uh, I mean, not for Blackberry Wine, for By My Standards. He's actually shown dead last by quite a bit on the pace projector. And he's a horse who just, he can't run that way. Uh, We've seen him try in a couple of his bigger efforts, and he just gave it up through the lane and the Clark and the Classic last year. And he was a horse both of us had a lot of question marks about last year because he a lot of his uh, reputation was made in races with very slow paces where he was able to sit close and finish. And I think that's a problem here. It, it would, wouldn't would shock me if he won because, I mean, he does have the best speed figures in the field when he runs his races, but I'm certainly going to try to beat him. I, I think he's going to get bet quite a bit more than that five to two, to be honest. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the seven to five range. So, I'm going to look elsewhere. The The horse I eventually landed on is actually only the second choice on the morning line, but I had my doubts about that. I, I went with Rushy, and for me, it's largely a, a jockey bet. 
Uh, as I mentioned, there aren't any real closers in this race. Rushy isn't particularly one either, though he wins from he has one from off the pace. It's not like he's coming from the clouds. But I just think Joel Rosario rides these races perfectly when the pace is going to be fast. I think Rushy will be able to adapt. I do think he'll be more than that three to one morning line. I see other horses taking more money than him, including Blackberry Wine, Wells Bay by you. So we'll see how the betting goes, and that can always sway things. But in a wide open race, I'm going to take a horse that's coming from off the pace. Yeah, we'll see how much of an effect Joel Rosario has because it seems like he's winning basically every stakes around the country during 2021 so far. And uh, he is riding Rushy in this race, so that could drive down his price a little bit, though. Just based on the two horses, Craig, I would tend to agree with you that by my standards, just based on reputation, is likely to take a bit more money in here. Um, we see this race very similarly. I'm not surprised. I like Rushy as well. Uh, he ran well to win that Pat Day Mile last year at this distance. That was around one turn, and this is a two-turn race. But he's handled two turns just fine in the past, even going longer distances that might really not be his preferred trip. And he was off the board last time out in that Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. But watching back that race, I think he ran a lot better than that seventh-place finish would indicate because there was a rough run into the first turn. He was squeezed back a little bit as the horses tried to get over from the outside with that short run into the clubhouse turn and he was uh probably farther back than he wanted to be in that race but he launched a wide run coming around the far turn and that breeders cup dirt mile at keeneland that's a race that is run um for the most part around turns there's very few uh very little straightaway in that race and he lost a lot of ground coming around the turn in that race was actually finishing on decently at the end there so i just think he's a horse that really could take a step forward as a four-year-old and while mike mccarthy doesn't have the greatest numbers coming off layoffs just based on this horse's work tab it seems like he's got him cranked up for this race just going back to march 20th that 46 flat work that was a bullet at santa anita that was in company with his top older mayor cc and it looked like Rushy was going a little better than her in that workout. And Cece is a very good uh, workhorse in her own right. So I just think Rushy looks like he's coming into this race ready to run. And this seems like the right kind of spot for him to get a favorable trip. So I landed on Rushy as well. As for the others, I mean, I think Blackberry Wine is a horse that you have to consider just based on how well he ran at this distance last time. As you were pointing out, I think there's a lot more pace in this race and that could create some problems for Blackberry Wine. But when he matched up against Wells Bayou in the Louisiana stakes earlier in the year. Uh, Wells Bayou let Blackberry Wine go on with it and set the pace. So if a similar scenario plays out here, I think Blackberry Wine can be dangerous, but he's a horse that really is most effective when he's on the lead. Yeah, and he would be my second pick in here. If he was five to one morning line, I might even consider him. I don't think there was anything fluky about that big 125 speed figure he ran last time at the same distance in course. So no problem with him at all. I, I just think it's a race I have to take a shot against by my standards because I seem to always be against this horse because of all the great trips he got last year. And in the end, he... You know, he. I just don't think he. he's really up against it because I think the pace projector nails it. I don't know if he'll be dead last as we show, but I just think it shows it's a real problem for him that he could find himself in mid-pack and it's just not what he likes to do. 
Yeah, and just one more note on By My Standards, who I didn't really touch upon. Uh, I agree with everything you said, Craig, and I will just also note that the comment line in his last race blocked upper and altered out. I mean, it, it, if you didn't watch the race, I think some people might assume from that that he had a bad trip. He didn't have a bad trip. I mean, Gabriel Saez got him into a good spot. He was a little off the rail throughout, but he had every chance to be effective in that race and was just behind horses because he was backing up in the stretch. So I just thought that was kind of a poor effort from him and he'll have to do a lot better. He could because he's got the back races at a short price like you. I'm just a little skeptical. Moving on to the 11th race at Oaklawn, that is the Grade 3 Count Fleet Sprint Handicap, and we've got a rematch of the Hot Springs, as well as a rematch of the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Actually, the 1-2-4 finishers from last year's Breeders' Cup Sprint are all in this race, but the two main players are obviously the horses that rounded out the exacta in both of those races. Those are last year's Sprint Champion Whitmore, as well as CZ Rocket, who turned the tables on him last time in the Hot Springs, and we're going to see what kind of trick each of them work out here because there is plenty of pace in this race and both of these horses are proficient coming from off the pace. Last time Whitmore made the first move and got the jump on CZ Rock and it turned out that was just a race where the last move was the most successful. I wonder if the same thing will play out this time because CZ Rocket just does seem like a naturally faster horse than Whitmore. Yeah, I think it's an interesting call. Uh, it's a, a good field of seven. There's no label on the pace projector, but it was really close. I was surprised when I saw horses like No Parole, Strike Power, and Empire of Gold, a horse who led the Breeders' Cup after a half mile last year. But it just barely missed. So I think the pace is going to be solid. And unfortunately, or depending how you look at it, but as a better, unfortunately, it, it sets it up for the two favorites. Uh Pretty clearly in Whitmore and CZ Rocket, uh, I think it's their race to lose, and it's just going to come down to which of the two you like. Uh, personally, I I'm going to give the very slight edge to CZ Rocket, and that's just based on the, the post positions. I think he can sit outside and just kind of track what's going on and, and move forward if he needs to, but I just envisioned similar trips last time. Uh, Whitmore... It's drawn down inside. If he waits, it's always possible he's going to get shuffled back with all the speed in here. So I just think the post gives CZ Rocket uh, enough of an edge that I'll make him my top pick in here. If the post were reversed, I'd flip my picks. Yeah, I think it's a close call between these two as well, and I do think they're the two most likely winners in this race. I actually gave the slight edge to Whitmore. Um, Whitmore seems like a horse to me that is very comfortable running inside of horses. Actually, if based on some of his big wins, that's his preferred trip to make that inside-out move. So I like that he's drawn inside in this race, and I just feel like the pace projector is going to play out the way that it looks with CZ Rocket, as long as he breaks better this time because he was a little slowly away in the hot springs. I think he'll be in front of Whitmore more early, and I would anticipate that this time, Whitmore is going to be one, the one making the last move, and that could be the successful move once again in this Count Fleet. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Whitmore, assuming that they're very similar prices. Um, as for the others, I mean... Empire of Gold is a little bit interesting, but he's coming back off a long layoff out of that Breeders' Cup where he did run really well. I mean, he led the field to mid-stretch and he did kind of fall apart in the final furlong, but that's a race that was coming apart a little bit at the end. And as a three-year-old last year, he just got really good at the end of the season. Um, it turns out that that Phoenix performance was no fluke because he backed it up once again in the Breeders' Cup. Um, 
I don't really know too much about this trainer and how he does coming back off layoffs. The stats are, are, are mediocre at best, but this was a horse that really came around at the end of last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he could take another step forward as a four-year-old. I mean, he'd be the only one that I would consider as a potential upsetter, but I do think that the two favorites are more likely winners of this race. Yeah, I agree with you on Empire Gold. I, I think he's the speed of the speed, even though we don't have him showing up there. Him and no parole. I, I think those two will, will really go at it early. And I think he's probably the better of the two based on what we've seen from no parole lately. But in any case, I, I think any of these speed horses are going to have a hard time holding off really quality closers like Whitmore and CZ Rocket. I do want to ask you about those two other speed horses. You briefly did touch upon no parole, but also strike power who has plenty of early speed is in this race and he's coming off a big performance when he earned a 118 time form US speed figure last time actually a 123 final time number which was knocked down a little bit due to the slow pace I mean they're both horses that are capable of running big figures when they're at their best but I just wonder if you have a take on if they're going to be knocked out by a quick by a, a quick pace yeah, that's the way I see it. I mean, Strike Power, he's always done his best when things are go his own way with blue fractions. Uh, we've seen that way back to his maiden win, and that's what he did in his last win, and there aren't a whole lot of wins in between. So he's a horse who usually runs well, but he just doesn't seem to get the job done unless he gets it uh, his way up front. And it's just really hard to envision that happening with two super high, fast horses and no parole and empire of gold. Yeah, I have very similar feelings about them. I watched each of their victories this year. Uh, no Parole, who won a Delta Down Stakes race back in February, and Strike Power, who won that allowance race in March. And I, I think those are races that are much less impressive when you watch the replays than they might look on paper. Um, Strike Power got a big figure for that last race, but I think some of the horses that raced in behind him just, uh, they, they've regressed since then. Not saying the figure's wrong, I just don't think it was quite as strong a race as it appears, and no parole, even though he won by three lengths as the one to ten favorite at Delta Downs, I'd advise you watch that race if you like him here, because he had to work a lot harder than I would have liked to beat a vastly inferior field, so I just feel like maybe he's not the horse that he once was as a three-year-old so for both of us it's the favorites in the count fleet Moving on to the Arkansas Derby grade one feature race at Oakland on Saturday, the final Derby prep taking place in Arkansas this year and the final Derby prep that's taking place in the country before the Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday in May. And uh, we're going to have a heavy favorite in this spot in concert tour. This race is basically just a rematch of the Rebel as five horses coming out of the Rebel uh, are five of the six runners in this race and concert tour just dusted them last time. And as long as he gets the extra 16th of a mile he's going to be pretty tough for this field to handle yeah and watching that race it's hard to imagine he wouldn't have got the extra 16th of a mile I mean he was still moving away from the field at that point so for me it's a race I'm probably just going to watch I'm not going to try to be concert tour in here he just looks too good uh, I know some people have tried to make a case for Caddo River saying he got a bad ride last time and it, it and I mean, I guess I can't argue with that. I'm a guy who likes aggressive tactics, and they did kind of seed the lead, but I just don't see how it would have made any difference. If he went to the lead, uh, Concertor was just going to sit off his flank and put him away anyway, in my opinion. So I didn't think had a, that much of Caddo River going into the Rebels, so I'm not going to make any excuses for him because I just don't think he ran all that well. Um Hoosier, I mean, he's moving in the right direction for Bob Baffert, but he just seems more like a 
third string type of Bob Baffert horse, not even second string. It wouldn't shock me if he ran second, but there's no real value in in that opinion either. So I'm just going to watch, try to evaluate concert tour and, and fully expect him to win pretty easily. Yeah, I think both things are true about Caddo River. I think he did resent the rating tactics a little bit last time. I also think he didn't run that well in the Rebel. I mean, he should have finished better in that race, even after fighting the rider a little bit in the early going. And I'm not as convinced about him getting the mile and an eighth as I am Concert Tour. I mean, I think you can have questions about both of these horses, but Caddo River's shown more natural speed in his races. And and uh, I, I'm not so convinced that he's necessarily going to go on and love a mile and an eighth. So I just thought Concert Tour was so impressive last time. And I went on XBTV and I watched some of his work since then. And I mean, he's looked like a, like a monster coming into this race. His last workout on April 3rd, when he went uh, six furlongs, one twelve and four, I, I took out the stopwatch to get him coming through the stretch because it looked like he was flying. I got him coming home the quarter through the lane and 22 and one in that workout. Uh, that That's just really moving uh, for a six furlong workout at the end of it. And uh, it just feels like this horse is probably going to win. I wonder um, if he wins this race really impressively, what to make of him moving on to the Kentucky Derby, because he'll do so without a ton of seasoning, having won some of the weakest prep races that we've seen just in terms of depth, even if he runs some faster speed figures. I don't think that beating up on horses like Caddo River and Hosier and Freedom Fighter necessarily are going to prepare you to be successful in the Kentucky Derby, but this horse does have a ton of talent. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, If assuming he does win. I think it's going to come down to the speed figure. If, if he runs a 125 from us, and, and more importantly, as far as the wagering goes, a 105 from Bayer, uh, he could easily wind up being the favorite in here just because, I mean, it's Bob Baffert. He's won a ton of derbies. He's going to have a fast number. But I, I'd still have some question marks because, as you said, he, he hasn't really faced much yet. And... You know, we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who actually finally makes it to the starting gate. We still have three long weeks. We've already started seeing some defections in, in greatest honor. So it's something I try not to look too far ahead. But I'm with you. A big performance here, and he could easily be favored come the uh, first Saturday in May. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see how that all plays out because Concert Tour is a horse that I was a little skeptical of earlier in the year, and I've kind of come around a little bit. I think he actually does have plenty of talent, but uh, he's got to run a big number in the Arkansas Derby to be considered one of uh, the favorites for the Kentucky Derby in a few weeks. Let's move on to Keeneland, where we'll also discuss three stakes races. The first of those is race eight. It's the Giants Causeway going five and a half furlongs on the turf for the Phillies and Mares. And we're likely to have a favorite drawn down towards the inside in the number one into Mystic, who was ridden by Arad Ortiz going out for Brendan Walsh. This filly, during her four-year-old season, ran really well against horse, a horse like Got Stormy, uh, lost a close decision to her over this course in the Buffalo Trace last year. She actually surprisingly set the pace in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint against the males, didn't run well in that race, but she's done fine since then and just has the creden credentials to be considered the horse to beat in this race. Yeah, it's a race on the pace projector. It's a big field of 10, but there's no label, uh, so not a ton of speed in here. And the three-horse LZ is shown on the on the front end with a clear lead, so she would be the one a lot of times I would gravitate towards, but I just see it playing out the same as last time when she faced uh, in, into Mystic. 
And she wasn't able to handle that one, despite having things her own way up front. Uh, into Mystic draws inside again, has plenty tactical speed, gets Irad Ortiz. So for me, I, I think she's just going to be really tough to beat in here. Um, if I'm playing horizontal bets in here, I'm probably going to single into Mystic because I just don't like anybody else in here besides LZ, and I think she'll have her number. Uh, the other horse I would maybe consider would have been Jakarta, who draws far outside and has had some success in these turf sprints. But as a six-year-old, she's a horse who, me, to me, in her last couple turf sprints, seems like she's losing some of her early speed. Uh, she did lead last time, but that was in a two-turn race. The sprint, she hasn't been. And even though she did one, did win one of those a couple back uh, at Gulfstream Park, I just think it's a bad sign when horses who are normally always on the lead suddenly can't make it, and particularly from the far outside post. Yeah, I mean, I have no real problem with Intumistic in this race other than the likely short price because, I mean, her form just is kind of obvious and she's got a Rad Ortiz on board. So that just kind of translate into a, into a horse that's likely to be overbet. Uh, but she is the most likely winner of this race and she projects to get a very good trip in here. I just feel like... It's not like she's run speed figures that make her all that formidable in here. I mean, she ran a couple of 113s, one over the winter, one last fall uh, in this race, at Ke that race at Keeneland uh, in, in October. And uh, I mean, those do make her the horse to beat, but it's not like she's got some huge speed figure advantage over this field where she deserves to be a really short price in this race. So I'm definitely using her, but I think that there are some other horses in this race that can offer value. Um, one of those that just kind of always gets ignored that I think deserves a look in this race is the number eight change of control. I mean, she's 15 to one in the morning line. I don't know if she's going to go off at a price quite that high, but she's got some races that definitely put her in the mix. Um, she was beaten by Intimistic three times last year, um, all basically all three times that they met, but she was never that far behind her. And arguably the best race that she's run on the turf recently was that turf sprint against the males at uh, Sam Houston back at the end of January, where she wasn't that far behind Horton is like Fast Boat and Karotari. I mean, they're every bit as good as Intimistic and uh, Change of Control was competitive with them. So I just feel like she's coming into this race potentially in good form. And if the pace does heat up on the front end, I think she could be running late. So I would use her at a price. But the horse that I would make my top pick in this race just from a value standpoint is the number two in good spirits. Um, she's a four-year-old who's just making her second start of 2021. She had shown some talent as a three-year-old last year racing in route races finishing, uh, getting minor awards behind horses like Sharing and Harvey's Low Goyle. Um, she was competitive in those races like the Regret and the Edgewood, but just couldn't quite get the distance, was fading at the end, going a mile and a mile and an eighth. Al Stahl turned her back to five and a half furlongs at the fairgrounds at the end of January, and I really liked that performance. Yes, she was facing an inferior field to what she meets here, but she came wide off the turn and closed that field down with a pretty impressive late kick, like a horse that might have a just be a more natural fit to these shorter races. Uh, she obviously has to run a faster speed figure to be competitive here, but as a maturing horse who just turned four, I think she's got a right to do it. And I'm hoping that she's just one that gets a little lost in the shuffle here and falls through the cracks and does go off at that six to one or maybe a little higher in this race. So I'll make uh, In Good Spirits my top pick, but also use Intimistic and Change of Control. Well, I'm not going to argue with either of those. Both good uh, good points on both of those as praise horses. The only thing I'm going to add is if you're bored, take a look through the Intimistic uh, PPs. In Timeform US, you can scroll the Lifetime PPs. 
And she has had quite the journey. It's just something interesting for the the people who listen to see. I mean, she's a horse who's won mixed races at Los Al. She's run at Zia Park, at Sunland. And she after starting a career out at Saratoga. So it, it's quite the journey that you don't often see for a, a horse. Yeah, that is kind of funny. I actually remember her debut at Saratoga. I think that was my first summer making the morning lineup there. And I remember she was a horse that was working well for Todd Pletcher and was touted, I think, bet down to like even money or odds on in that race. And she lost. But uh, it's funny to see her now. She's a top turf sprinter for Brendan Walsh. Move on to that other three-year-old prep race for the Kentucky Derby that's being run on Saturday. That is the Lexington, and it remains to be seen whether this race will actually generate any starters for the Kentucky Derby. I think there's just one that's a possibility, that being the favorite, Proxy. And while Proxy is clearly the horse to beat in this race and is the 6-5 to five favorite on the morning line, there are many ways to go if you're looking for an alternative. And I, I think you do have to start the discussion with the trips that these horses are likely to get, because there is is a ton of speed signed on concentrated down towards the inside. Yeah, there's we got sprinters stretching out in here. We got horses coming in off maiden wins. And then we have Proxy, as you mentioned, who's been running in graded stakes races. I think he ran in all three of the uh, Louisiana preps and, and ran pretty well in those. I assume he's in this race trying to, to get points to make sure he makes the derby field. But I got to tell you, I'm not all that excited about him. I mean, he, he's a decent enough horse, but I don't like to turn back. He's turning back a full furlong in here. He's a horse who has done his best running up near the front. And as you mentioned, there's a ton of other speed in here. So I'm going to try to beat Proxy. Maybe I'm a little crazy in here, but just looking at some of the other horses, we, we have Swiftsure, who's coming out of what's been basically a monster key race at Oakland. A uh, bunch of races, a bunch of horses he has beaten have come back to win. But I'm a little weary on this one as well. He had a big gap in his workouts uh, before his first two races. He was working really fast. Doesn't seem to be the case since he's resumed training. Now, that could very well be that maybe Steve Asmussen's been planning on stretching him out all along. But I, I don't know how well that would serve him in here. So, uh, we also have the Bob Baffert horse, Bezos, uh, who I don't like at all in here, but he's almost guaranteed to take some money just because of name recognition and Bob Baffert. And he did look pretty impressive winning last time out. He basically ran a 105 speed figure, which was the same he ran when he got drubbed in his debut by a horse who's turned out to be very good in Dream Shake. So I'm going to go in a totally different direction in here and go to one of those inside speed horses, and that's Noble Reflection. This is a horse who I really liked his maiden race. I think we talked about it on the pace cast. He got a 110 time form U.S. speed figure that day. Um, but what I liked is he is a horse who certainly looks to me like he's bred to go longer. Uh, he's by Liam's map out of a Tisnow mare. Uh, the race has come back strong. The, the runner-up came back to win his start next out. All the other horses have kind of backed up the speed figures. And despite that fast pace notation on the pace projector, uh, I, I still think speed is dangerous, and I think he could very well be speed to the speed or maybe just sit off the two-horse Swifter, who I've already mentioned. And I believe this is one of those races where they use the short stretch at Keeneland, and it just seems to favor horses inside with speed. So I really like what I saw from Noble Reflection. He's a big price in here, and, and I'm not going to let the pace projector talk me off that kind of number. 
Yeah, we have a very similar take on this race. Uh, once again, I think we agree a lot on this uh, of this uh, forecast today. Um, yeah, Proxy is surely the horse to beat, and I think his form from Louisiana is solid. I mean, those were good horses that he was running against, but he kind of, after taking a step forward in each successive start heading into the Lecompte, he's... Uh, plateaued a little bit in his speed figures since then. Uh, maybe he didn't like the mile and three sixteenths last time, a demanding distance for three-year-olds in March, and now he's getting back to a mile and a sixteenth here. Uh, but still, uh, it's not like he's got some big speed figure edge on this field, so we'd have to run one of his best races to beat them. And I'm not sure, like you, how comfortable he's going to be coming from the back of the pack in this race, and he likely will be closing, just given how much speed is drawn to the inside. So, Proxy can definitely win, and I would probably concede he's the most likely winner of this race. I just wouldn't want to take a really short price on him. And we landed on the same horse, Craig, Noble Reflection. I mean, you probably remember I was really taken with this horse's debut. In addition to talking to you about it on the Pace Cast, I made him one of my horses to watch that week uh, because I just wanted to show the entire replay of that race. And you made a good point about the runner-up coming back to win. And I completely agree with you with regard to this horse's pedigree. Liam's map is a good dirt route in influence on the dam side this damn deal of the decade by Tisnow. she's produced a bunch of foals and almost all of them have been horses that preferred going route distances some of them on the turf but most of them on the dirt horses like pretty fancy a decent dirt router cash out uh, who could race on dirt and turf going distances as far as a mile and an eighth so just feels like Noble Reflection is supposed to handle the extra ground. We'll see how fast he has to run on the front end, but I do think that he's one that will be on the lead here. I would say that he's likely to be the speed of the speed in this race because he's breaking from the rail, and also if you watch his two prior starts, this horse is just like a rocket launcher coming out of the gate. He is so fast out of the gate. So he's likely to have the advantage coming from the inside as long as he breaks as sharply as he has in his two prior starts. And I'm just hoping Javier Castellano can ration out his speed on the front end and he can keep going with that short stretch going the mile and the 16th at Keeneland. Sometimes that does favor horses that are on the front end. So I'm hoping he can just take them all the way. Um, as for the others in this race, uh, you know, Swift Shore, as you said, he showed a lot of talent in his prior two starts, but I'm not quite as confident about him handling the extra ground as I am Noble Reflection. Swift Shore's damn side pedigree is a little more sprint oriented. I have no interest in Bezos. I've just never really gotten the hype on that horse. Uh, Hockey Dad, I think, has to be considered a little bit interesting because even though the big figure that he earned last time in the Jeff Ruby stakes was earned on synthetic, he's really run well on every surface that he's tried so far. And he did improve stretching out in distance last time. So it could be that Hockey Dad is just a horse that's moving in the right direction in the spring of three-year-old season yeah hockey dad is kind of the wild card if i was playing vertical bet or horizontal bets well and vertical he's one that i would use on my tickets uh he did get a bit of a dream trip in that jr stakes uh with a just super fast pace and still wasn't able to close the deal uh so I, i'm a little iffy on him but at a price i certainly would take a shot on him if i'm playing pick threes or pick fours or whatever in here um yeah, not not a whole lot to add. I, I'm gonna 
base my play on Noble Reflection here and, and hope he lives up to what I saw that first race. Yeah, just a couple more things. I don't think we're going to get 15 to 1 on Noble Reflection. Uh, his last race was too impressive for him to go off at that kind of price, but I do think he could go off in the 8 to 10 to 1 range because there are plenty of other ways to go in here. So I do still think he'll be a a, a playable price. And I'm, I'm picking him as I think you are expecting to get a price that's a little lower than the morning line. And just with regard to the pace, I mean, we're talking mostly about horses that are going to be placed close to the front end in here. And we're doing that because as you look through this field, there just isn't really a convincing closer to take. I mean, I guess the one you might consider is unbridled honor, but he just looks so slow to me. So I just couldn't find a closer that I find really appealing. No, and I agree about, with you about the morning line. I mean, they have the 10 horse starring in my dreams at six to one. And I mean, looking at his running lines compared to Noble Reflection, I don't see any way in the world that horse goes off at a less price, let alone the kind of discrepancy that the morning line shows. Let's finish things up on this forecast with the grade one Jenny Wiley. I think it's the only grade one being run at Keeneland on Saturday, going a mile and a 16th for the Phillies and Mares. And it's a compact field, but a field with some real quality, especially with those three horses drawn down towards the inside. Now, the favorite on the morning line is the number one Micheline. I'll be interested to see how they actually bet this race, and I was just tweeting about it before we came on uh, the air to record this forecast. Um, just based on the way the pace is likely to shake out and and how well she ran in her races last year, it feels to me like the number three Juliet Foxtrot is just simply the horse to beat in this race. And given the strength of Brad Cox at Keeneland, I'd have to think that she's going to take a lot of money in here and might even go off the favorite in this race. To me, she's a horse to beat. Yeah, we agree. Unfortunately, I hate when we agree too much, but sometimes it works out that way. Uh, she's the horse to beat. I mean, it's a race, only six horses in here. Uh, she's shown on a clear lead on the pace projector in a race that says it's going to favor horses on or near the early lead. And on top of that, she's the most accomplished horse in the field. She's run the fastest speed figures, has the biggest races. So for me, she is clearly the horse to beat. I, I guess if I had to come up with the, the second choice, it would be Micheline. And that's just because I was impressed by her race last time, even though she only got a 113 time form U.S. speed figure. I know you liked her on the forecast that day. And I think that speed figure is a little misleading because if you watch that race, she drew outside. She was wide the whole way. And I was just really impressed how she kept coming through the lane despite traveling all that extra ground. So she ran a 113 at Tampa. She had prior to that run a 117. And as a fairly newly turned four-year-old, this will only be her second start. I think she's the horse most likely capable of running in the 120s outside of Juliet Foxtrot. Yeah, Juliet Foxtrot. I mean, some might say if they're knocking her that she's squandered some opportunities to win at relatively short prices in the past. Uh, but she has faced some pretty good horses over the past couple seasons, uh, some Chad Brown Titans like Rushing Fall and Uni. So I don't think it's any disgrace losing to those horses. And when she gets a favorable pace scenario, she's usually pretty dangerous. I mean, we've seen her win gate to wire in the past going back to 2019, but she's been very successful when she gets uh, moderate paces. That was not the case last time in the matriarch when and they went really fast on the front end. I mean, Mike Smith is not my favorite turf rider in general um, because he just sometimes doesn't um, 
fight his horses to put them in the right spot. I'll, I'll try to say it that way. And um, Juliet Foxtrot, he just kind of dropped his hands on her and let her basically run off on the backstretch going way too fast. And she paid the price late. I think that she would have won that race if she had been taken in hand a little bit earlier. Uh, but still, losing to horses like Viadera and Blowout is no disgrace. That race came back very fast. And uh, I just think if Juliet Foxtrot returns in that same kind of form, she's going to be tough here. Craig, you know that I'm a big fan of Micheline. I liked her last year as a three-year-old. I thought she arguably ran the best race in the Queen Elizabeth Challenge Cup over this course back in October. So if she continues moving forward as a four-year-old, I think she's very dangerous. She's just a horse that doesn't have a big turn of foot, kind of like her uh, her brother Proxy. It's kind of funny to see these siblings running back to back at Teenland, uh, Proxy and Micheline out of the same damn panty raid. Um, but like that horse, Micheline's more of a grinder and lacking that kind of turn of foot, I worry that she might not be as effective in a slow-paced race. So I just... I'm not sure that Micheline's going to get the right trip in here, but I do think she's one that's moving in the right direction. The horse that's going to take money that I just don't quite get is the number two, Tamahir. And Chad Brown has two runners in this race. I don't see how Etoile is uh, much of a contender based on her races last year. That uh, Woodbine grade one that she ran in really wasn't the kind of grade one quality that we're seeing in this Jenny Wiley. But Tamahir, I think, is the one that's going to take more money. And I just... I just didn't quite get the hype on her ahead of the matriarch where she was bet down to favoritism. She was beating a very weak field of three-year-old fillies in the Sands Point, And while she was visually impressive in that race, uh, she's never run the kind of speed figure that says that she's good enough to beat a horse like Juliet Foxtrot. Yeah, I mean, in the matriarch, she couldn't beat her. And you've already detailed the trip Juliet Foxtrot had. So I don't see how she could beat her in this spot if they both show up in good form. I mean, she couldn't beat her that day. It's hard to imagine her beating her without some major form reversal where Juliet Foxtrot just tails off. So I'm with you. I don't buy the morning line at all, as you didn't, as you mentioned on Twitter. I, I don't see... Juliet Foxtrot not being the favorite in here, to be honest. Now, I don't think she's going to be in the six to five range, maybe the eight to five, nine to five type of favorite, just because the Chad Brown horses are always going to take money. But I think she's clearly the horse to beat, and Tama here doesn't scare me in the slightest. Well, a lot of agreement on this forecast, so we don't have too many opinions that we could be right about because uh, you always cut those in half when we have the same pick in all the races. But uh, hopefully we're right about uh, our agreeing opinions on this uh, episode of the forecast. as for this late sequence at Keeneland, Craig, these races are all consecutive. We didn't talk about the Ben Ally, which is leading off this pick five or the maiden race at the end. But this does feel like a sequence where you can probably go a little thin in the Jenny Wiley. And the Lexington just seems like a race that's so wide open, it might be able to make a pick four or pick five sequence pay well. Yeah, it looks like a decent enough sequence to me. The Ben Ally is just... I mean, it's only a five-force field. I haven't handicapped it, but it it's certainly a very weak grade three on paper. But I would imagine you wouldn't have to go too deep in there. I, I certainly will have to take a look. Maybe it's one of those wide-open five-force fields. But I, I think the, the three races we talked about outside the Lexington, I think you can keep pretty narrow and come up with a reasonable ticket. Well, that's it for this week's Time Form U.S. 
podcasts. Uh, we will obviously recap all of the races that we talked about on this forecast on the PaceCast when we do that on Tuesday. And we'll have a discussion about how things have been sorted out on the Kentucky Derby Trail because the point standings will be set by then and we'll just have to see who commits to the race and if there are any defections between now and Kentucky Derby time in early May. But a lot to look forward to this weekend and I'm sure Craig and I will both be watching those races on Saturday. Remember that you can always listen to us on DRF.com, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Wherever you get your podcasts, just make sure to subscribe to the Daily Racing Form channel. Thanks for tuning in this week and make sure to catch the Time Form US Pacecast on Tuesday.